0: Thank you all so much for being here today. We have the lovely Molly Woodhull on the podcast today, and she is sharing so much information on getting started with mindfulness and meditation. I think it's an especially powerful episode for all of us hustlers who are trying to unlearn that hustle and really practice slowness. It is A great starting point for how to incorporate mindfulness and meditation into your daily life without having to sit down on a meditation cushion right away and do like a 10 to 20 minute, an hour formal sit. So Molly is offering tons of information on how to get started and she is just so full of wisdom. So I can't wait for you guys to hear the episode before you listen. A reminder as always to connect with us on Instagram and via email or leave a review, subscribe, but just let us know that you're listening and your thoughts on the episodes. We are so eternally grateful for you guys for tuning in and giving us your ears for an hour each week. All right, I'm sending all my love. Can't wait for you to hear this one, guys. Here it is. Hustle culture is cute in theory, but eventually it leads to burnout and lack of fulfillment. Then again, as enticing as it sounds to sit in meditation for years as a monk, abandoning western culture altogether is not really an option for most of us. So where is the in-between? I like to think of it as a world where dreaming big and living slow coexist. I'm Tia, host of Dream Big Live Slow, a podcast for entrepreneurs like myself seeking a life of soul-filled work that still allows time for those slow moments that make us feel the most alive. Join me as we break down realistic mindfulness tools used by real entrepreneurs working towards a life of both dreaming big and living slow. Also, be sure to check out the end of every solo cast episode for free guided meditations. All right, let's do this thing. Hello, everyone. Today we have Molly Woodhull on the podcast. I am so, so excited to dive into all things mindfulness in business because Molly is a corporate wellness consultant. She teaches meditation and mindfulness and she offers one-on-one coaching, silent retreats, online courses. I can't wait to dive into all all these questions I have for you. You're one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, which is how I find everyone. (laughs) And because you break mindfulness down into Bite sized chunks, and I feel like it's so good to easy to digest. So, thank you so much for being here, Molly.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today and talk about mindfulness, and business, and all the stuff.
0: Yes. Okay. So, can you just start by telling us a little bit of your story to how you got into corporate wellness?
1: Totally. So, gosh, I really think that my whole life sort of built up to where I am now, like my whole life journey. There's not one reason why I got into corporate wellness, but sort of a lifetime of experience that brought me to this place. But I always knew deep in my heart that I wanted to work in the wellness industry. And I always knew that I wanted to be my own boss. And so those were clear. I worked in wellness industry in different ways from you know spinal cord injury recovery through adaptive yoga and wilderness therapy and yoga, lots of stuff. Yeah. And it just wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And so I started meditating on my own and then I ended up getting connected to some amazing programs, one through Stanford University, the Compassion Cultivation Program, which I partook in and loved it, got really involved with everybody in that organization. And then I actually got referred to Duke University to study through their mindfulness program. And then I stayed on and helped sort of in the beginning developmental stages of their KORU Mindfulness Institute. So all that being said, those experiences led me to opportunities just to teach around town in Denver. And I realized after my first class that I... Really new. I wanted to teach mindfulness and compassion-based meditation in corporate settings, and then I came incorporate it the next day. It was crazy.
0: Oh, that's incredible! I love that. Um, so I just, yeah, I just shared this news, but I am actually going to school now, getting my master's in mindfulness studies. I just started. Wow. Yeah.
1: Where exactly are you studying that
0: at Leslie University? Nice. Yeah. And so I'm intrigued by all of your training as well. But the question I have about that then has me thinking, you know, when you are down this path, has it been difficult to teach this work since it is such an inward journey? And how have you managed to prioritize your practice, I guess?
1: Mm -hmm. When it comes to, I mean, most things, practice what you preach, but especially meditation, meditation. It's hard to speak to the experience unless you do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I actually find that the more I teach, the more I want to practice individually on my own. Anyway, I am re-inspired each time I connect with a client, and they, you know, tell me a little victory story about their own practice, whatever that looks like for them. So I feel that you know I've continued. To grow my own practice because I want to, but also because I'm re-inspired each time I connect with my clients to continue on my own journey. So it, I think it all kind of works together. And even during COVID, you know, I think I stepped into my own personal practice in a way much deeper than I had before. So mm, that's good. Yeah. It can be tough though, too, to, you know, everyone's a human being. We all have dynamic lives and lots going on. And so the way that Woodhall wellness, my company approaches mindfulness and meditation is all about realistic self-care. So I do have a formal sitting practice, but I also have a really strong informal practice. And so I talk about that a lot with my clients because we are all meditators. And if that means taking one breath thoughtfully, that is meditation. And if that means you want to sit each day for an hour, that's wonderful too. So there's space for all of us to have a practice. That's
0: so good. That's so good because what when you're reading and diving into meditation, they talk so much about the formal sit. So, can you talk a little bit about what it means to have an informal practice and how do you incorporate mindfulness and meditation into little bits of your
1: life to where you're a lot of people don't have an hour, you know? Totally, totally. Okay, so let's go back just to the definition of mindfulness and meditation before that. So, mindfulness, right, it's a way of being, it's a way in which we live our lives in the present moment, not ruminating about the past or the present Mm. or the future. It's really all to me, it really just means to focus on the task at hand, whatever that might be, without getting taken away by or distracted by all the other to do list items. We have. Mm -hmm. But that's tough. Being mindful and being present in the moment isn't necessarily the way that our minds are programmed. Our brain's natural inclination is to problem solve and to make sure that you're safe and healthy and happy. And that's a great thing. But it also means that your brain spends a lot of time worrying about things that happened in the past so you don't repeat them or about things in the future. And so, We have to learn how to be able to be mindful, to focus on one thing at a time. And that is what meditation does for us. Meditation is the practice of focusing on one thing at a time. We notice when our mind wanders away from that one thing you've chosen to focus on, and then you'll bring your awareness back gently and compassionately when you notice your mind has wandered away. Beautiful.
0: And then why? Why meditation? Because that's a beautiful explanation of what, you know? So I'm curious the the why.
1: The why? So as we continue to meditate, focus our awareness on one thing at a time. Notice when the mind wanders away from that focal point and bring your awareness back. You start to build that muscle, the ability, The literally the brain begins to change and it becomes more natural for you to be able to focus on one thing at a time. Well, if you can focus on one thing at a time, then you can be present you can actually be there to listen to a friend or a loved one or a coworker when they need to be heard. If you think about, you know, some of the top qualities of a leader in in businesses, Harvard Business Review does so many wonderful surveys and studies. And they did ask what is the top attribute of a good leader and everybody seemed to respond, most people responded that what they really want their boss to do is to be present when they're speaking to them. They want to feel as though they are being heard when they speak to a leader in their business. Wow. If you can't focus on one thing at a time, if you have no practice trying to focus on one thing at a time, it's really tough to actually listen and to actually, you know, take in what the other people around us are telling us because your mind's natural tendency is to wander. It's not really your fault. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I feel
0: so many people think, well, meditation's not for me because my mind wanders. I get that all the time.
1: (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) um, actually you're not special in that.
0: (laughs) All of our minds
1: wander all the time. Meditation is really not a practice of eliminating thought. It's about noticing when the mind wanders and bringing your awareness back. That is meditation. And as you continue to practice that, the other thoughts and ruminations begin to fall away because your brain gets better at focusing on that one thing at a time. And that's where our perception of nothingness comes from. When we really can just choose one simple anchor, the breath, a sensation, a sound, a poem, allowing all your awareness to really settle there, then the other thoughts and ruminations, you know, they're not necessarily popping up as much. So that's when we feel like you know, we're clearing our mind. But I think that's a really common misconception and important thing to a myth to bust.
0: Right. So I'm fascinated by that piece you said about what people look for in a leader. And I was wondering if we could talk more about, you know, how have you seen in your clients, the benefit of mindfulness in their business as entrepreneurs, most of the people listening here are entrepreneurs. So
1: why is it beneficial to incorporate it is so honestly, mindfulness and meditation are beneficial in so many ways. It can almost be overwhelming to talk about, (laughs) but okay. We have a lot going on in our lives. And I think most of us are living in fight or flight. And if you think about, so we're going, 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 there are all these hormones pulsing through our body because we're getting text messages and video calls and zooms and You know, we're being communicated with in so many different ways. There are all these different news sources. Like our world is a lot to take in, and we're trying to take it in all at one time. Not to mention, our world goes quickly because of all these different ways of communicating. So we always feel this pressure to go, 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 to keep going faster, to keep getting more done. And so, this idea of slowing down, I think it's gotten kind of lost in the shuffle of things. Yeah. And therefore, we live our lives. In absolute stress. Well, the breath is really the foundation of life. If you think about it, like, okay, we need food, we need water. Well, we need food. We can only survive for, you know, we can survive for a few weeks, I think, without food, only a few days without water, like a few minutes without our breath. And so when we start to bring awareness to our breath in our everyday life, breathing more deeply, it relaxes the nervous system, letting us know that we're all okay, that we don't have to be in fight or flight. And then it creates room for us to think clearly, to communicate effectively, to feel good, to seek the joy of being alive. And that's really just even like the tip of the iceberg.
0: Yeah. I love that. And the breath, I mean, what was helpful for me when I was first starting out was just remembering that the breath... Is, I guess, the mindfulness is the moment, you know, bringing yourself to presence. Sure. And the breath is the one thing that you can always count on to be like, this is actually life in this moment. It is life right now. So it's like your reminder
1: of presence. Absolutely. I always say after a meditation, you know, as you close your eyes and you begin to open your eyes and notice where you are, feel into that sensation of peace and calm that you've cultivated within your body, heart, and mind. And know that that sensation of peace lives within you every minute of every day. And all you have to do is take a breath. Yes. You know how powerful it is to have that tool with you all the time. And as you continue to practice connecting with the breath throughout your life, both in a formal and informal practice, and I know we need to talk about the difference between those.
0: Yes, (laughs) we'll get back to that.
1: Yeah, we'll get back to that you get better at utilizing this resource that lives within you. And I just find that to be so amazing. And additionally, it can be tough for all of you who are thinking about uh, listening to this. You're thinking, oh man, like you're talking about the breath in such a wonderful way. But when I think about meditating, it's not very relaxing. Well, that's normal. That's natural. Each time we focus our attention on one thing, That's really tough for the brain. In fact, it feels like adversity to your brain. Your brain doesn't really know the difference between having a hard conversation at work and having that feel icky and sticky and trying really freaking hard to focus your awareness on the breath. Both feel tough for the brain. Yes. So each time we sit down and focus our awareness on our breath, notice when our mind wanders and bring it back, we're really starting to build This mental and emotional resilience, our brain becomes more familiar with dealing with adversity and then overcoming it. Because each time you notice the mind wandering, you bring it back, even though that was kind of tough. And this simple practice, but not easy makes a big difference on the brain and starts to recreate new neural pathways that change the way our minds actually process hardship and adversity. Yes. That is freaking powerful. Yes. I love that. So it's okay if it's kind of tough. Yeah. It's like, it's okay if it's kind of tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. I always say that. It's so simple and so hard because people are like, what? They just don't believe that it could be so simple, but be so hard. You know, that's really huge. Yeah. Let's go back to, I remembered that we needed to talk more about (laughs) some of these <laughs> daily an informal practice what does that really mean and how do we do that
1: yeah totally so i like to expand my clients understanding of mindfulness and meditation so that we can bring mindfulness and meditation into our everyday lives not necessarily just on a meditation cushion so an informal practice is when we focus on the breath or we focus on one thing at a time so we bring meditation or we expand our awareness a little so I guess an example of an informal practice would be a micro meditation. A micro meditation is one breath to one minute of thoughtful breathing. Mm. That's a small moment of meditation. It's not quite as formal. You're not sitting down on a meditation cushion for 10 or 20 minutes, but it is meditation. Meditation is the practice of focusing on one thing at a time, uh, then focusing on one breath is a meditation. And that is very informal, something that you can do on the go before or after a hard conversation. When you wake up in the morning, that's an example. Yes, that's good. Another example of an informal practice, which is something that I love to teach about as I call them joyful routines. So when we think about formal meditation, we think about a 10 minute ish or longer breath focused meditation may be where someone guides you and in feeling into the sensation of each inhale or each exhale. Maybe you're sitting down or lying down somewhere comfortable. An informal practice that I think is really powerful, I call them joyful routines. It's just when throughout the day, whether it's in the morning when you wake up or in the evening before you go to bed, focus your awareness on an activity that you really enjoy. So what is something that you do each day that you already love to do? Maybe that's going out in the garden. Maybe that's making coffee or tea. And allow all of your awareness to be exactly there on that activity that you love. And when your mind wanders away from that activity with awareness and compassion, bring your attention back. Mm. That is meditation.
0: So when you say compassion... Why is that so
1: important? Why is that such an important piece of the puzzle? I found meditation through compassion-based meditations, which are also called meta-meditations. And I'm all about compassion because our life, a lot of the time we're really hard on ourselves and there's plenty of other people to be tough on us too. And I think it's a really important practice to know that each time you your mind wanders, it's okay, you don't have to bring such a harsh you know, perfectionist attitude to it. Just be kind to yourself. Know that your mind wandered and bring it back. Kind of letting go of this self-judgment is really important in the meditation process because it's not about an end goal. It really is the journey of taking time to sit or whatever your meditation practice looks like that day, informal or formal. So bringing that compassion piece into it and giving yourself a bit of love, one, never hurts. Two, to practice that for yourself is so important. And then this is a really nice container to do that. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that makes me think, you know, in a meditation practice, the importance of, because you mentioned it's part of, it's about the journey. So not sitting down for results, sitting down for the practice. How do you stay motivated? You know,
1: without that. Sure. That's really tough. Everybody wants a result. We're very, you know, in this society, we're driven by goals and expectations and all that. And as am I, you're right. I like to, I know now that when I sit down for my meditation practice, I can drop in and settle into the moment so much quicker than I did at the beginning. And that is motivating. Some people think meditation will be boring. Let me tell you, it is not. Every time your mind wanders, Sometimes I'll write it down. There's a journal next to me. I feel like I need to get it out. A lot of the time our mind wanders on the same ideas over and over again and we're just for some reason our body is afraid we're going to forget it, so it keeps reminding us. So, how do you stay motivated? Well, each meditation feels different. Each meditation, whether one breath or 1 minute or 1 hour or somewhere in between, each experience brings new knowledge to you about how you feel in that moment. What is bringing you anxiety? How you can manage that? And so it's consistently interesting and enlightening and empowering and grounding. It's all the things. So I always encourage if you have a meditation that feels kind of crappy, don't be discouraged. Allow all that came up for you to be knowledge so that you can move forward in your life and say just in that day with whatever came up for you as sort of knowledge is power, instead of just kind of feeling anxious and not knowing why. I love that. That's so good. I think one other aspect of the equation when it comes to staying motivated, well, two, one is I have a community. I meditate with people all the time. And as I said, at the beginning of this, I am inspired all the time by my clients. And so meditating in community is really powerful. So if you find a sangha, which is just a group of meditators, you can always follow me on Instagram and meditate with me through community or within your organization. You know, I work with companies on purpose. I think it's a really cool opportunity to give people experience meditating in community because when you meditate with more than one person, it's really motivating and feels very connected. Yes. Yes. One other thought on how to stay motivated is sort of connected to this idea of non-attachment, which is quite important in meditation. Because you said, you know, maybe it's what well, we both said. It's about the journey, not necessarily the expectation of a result at the end of each meditation. That can be tough. But as we keep practicing meditation, we get to be more mindful Then we're in the present moment. So it becomes more natural for us. To just be here now instead of expecting or being attached to an expectation of what your meditation might be, you can just be. And that's like a freaking gift.
0: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I'm like you, it takes me a little less time to drop in, is what they like to call it. But I still have days where it's like, you know, five minutes in, 10 minutes in, my mind is kicking and screaming. Like, we don't want to focus today. And it's just so normal. And that's still a good day of practice.
1: You know, that's still. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that point. That's so important because one, it's okay if it's not perfect. And two, I always encourage people that if you sit down on your meditation cushion or you really want to meditate for 10 minutes and you just can't, like it's overwhelming, just let it be two minutes then. And move on, feel proud of yourself for sitting there and like finding your cushion or taking the time, even if just two minutes, like we need a space in our lives where we're not so harshly judging ourselves. I don't want meditation to be another checklist on your to-do list. I want it to feel natural. And that's why oftentimes I start with micro meditations, be empowered that one breath is a meditation. And if you do that thoughtfully before and after a tough conversation, you're going to feel different. And as you continue doing that in your everyday life, your awareness of your breath gets, you know, heightened, but you're continually more and more aware of your breath. And then maybe a more formal practice sounds inviting and interesting to you. And then you're ready to do that. And then when you sit down for five minutes, you can only do two, you realize that that's just as great because you were just taking. One breath for the last month. So, two minutes is like, that's a big change. Ooh,
0: love that. So important. Such good advice. So, this podcast is called Dream Big Live Slow. Mm-hmm. I feel like I start one question every episode like that, but this podcast is called Dream Big Live Slow. And, you know, part of the motivation for the live slow portion of this was to introduce mindfulness to entrepreneurs, how to slow down in a hustle-focused world. So the other piece of that, we've touched on that. The other piece of that is dreaming big. Yeah. As entrepreneurs, you know, you have goals in your business, I'm assuming. Or, yeah, you know, you get places, you get places in your business, you've built a business. Mm-hmm. How do you dream in a healthy way Mm. to not get so focused on more or greed or, you know, those things that can really create a lot of suffering internally?
1: I think there needs to be space for dreaming big and just thinking about everything that you want and need and being creative and, and not holding yourself back. I think that you need to allow yourself to dream in that way, because really you never know what's possible and whatever you believe is your reality. So I think I let my dreams live in the universe and I don't say that they're too big. I let them be as big as they want to be. And each day I make one step forward towards maybe those goals. But each day I try to just live in alignment with growing my business being happy and making positive impact on the world. And if I can do all those things, then I know eventually I'll get to that big dream. I'll accomplish that big goal. And I just think having a little bit of patience is always important. You know, I don't think you can force anything. I don't think you can force a friendship. I don't think you can force a relationship. I don't think you can force yourself into meditating. What I do think you can do is trust deeply in yourself that all will happen and allow yourself to be present. Take one step at a time and you'll make it there. Mm, That's good. My meditation practice has helped me be able to live my life in that way. I don't think that sitting here stressing out about accomplishing my goals and trying to force a timeline and make it happen before it feels natural is really going to make it happen. So.
0: Yeah. forcing a timeline that is important. I was writing about that the other day of just the timing, the way that your purpose yeah, manifests and the timeline it manifests is not really any of your business.
1: I love that idea. Did you come up with that? Yeah. Wow. I've just been
0: thinking a lot about how we my natural tendency is to obsess over when we are taught manifestation, we're taught kind of I think there's a fine line between manifestation and then getting obsessed with absolutely, you know, goals and earthly dreams and stuff. And so really finding a deeper root in a why and a purpose. I've been thinking, you know, maybe the timing in the manifestation is not really for us to know and more for that divine trust kind of.
1: Totally the divine trust. I think it's just a deep knowing. Like I hold my goals and my desires and my aspirations in my body, heart and mind every day. I don't let go of them. They live within me because I believe that that is what I am meant for and will accomplish because that's what I want. That's what feels right for me. That's what feels in alignment with my life and my goals. You know, it's deeper than just a want, it's like an internal knowing.
0: Yes, an internal knowing. Mm.
1: And this rush feeling, I think literally, I think it just comes this feeling of you need to do everything right now, I think that's external. I think that's our society. When we take moments even to take a few deep breaths, meditation, it can help us to sort of let go of that feeling of rush, 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 everything everything needs to be figured out right now. And then you move away from that and into more presence and being. And if each day I do something that's in alignment with my greater goal, it's happening now.
0: Yeah. Ooh. It's not in the future. It's now. Yeah. It's happening right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's happening right now and I'm growing it and it's evolving and this is me in alignment, me speaking with you, us together. This is in alignment with my greater goals. Like how did we get here? One step at a time. Oh. Good. Good stuff. Oh,
0: thank yeah. you for your wisdom. <laughs> thank you for your wisdom. Okay. Lost in that. So can you talk about, you've gotten here, some of the things that come up, some of the struggles, I guess, challenges people would say that have been kind of roadblocks to building a business and building a business in an aligned way, I guess.
1: Yeah. Building a business looks in many ways luxurious and really cool. And it is, it's really cool. But it also is tough because you have to motivate yourself to get going And my God, I think my biggest growth opportunity was learning how to fail. I mean, really, I fail or I get rejected like once a day, at least still. And my business is growing all the time. And I am i have, you know, so much more business and so much more experience now than I did when I began. And that makes sense. And that's wonderful. and, And obviously that's a goal of mine to have grown. I teach in corporations across the world. And that is really awesome. But I also get rejected all the time. There are people who don't want to work with me. And at the beginning, everything feels so big. You're like, Oh my God, I need this client. I need them. I'll never recover from this. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I can't, I got to pitch it perfectly. And you put all that pressure on yourself and you overthink it and you over pitch it and, and you don't get it. And then you're like, Oh God, and you feel so down. And then as time goes on, I started realizing that all I can do is be me. If I fail, that's okay. And I want to work with the people who want to work with me. So I don't need to push that. That doesn't mean that you're not persistent. That doesn't mean that you don't call people back or work really hard to win somebody over. But if they're giving you the energy or the vibe that it's not right, they're not giving you the time of day, they don't seem as interested as you want them to be, then maybe they're just not the right person or business. And that comes with knowing your value, which takes time and experience. But I'd say having patience, knowing it's okay to fail. It's not a straight line. And that everyone's successful in their lives. They've failed a million times. uh, is just part of the equation. Yes, that's good. Oh, thank you so much for that.
0: Is there anything else that you feel like you want to touch on that you'd like to share with everyone in regards to, you know, dreaming big, living slow, slowing down, pursuing a business that is aligned with your heart? Sure. Those are, I mean, yes, I do.
1: I think so. Meditation and mindfulness, they help us feel less stressed, they help us show up as better leaders. Meditation and mindfulness. Help us become better communicators and better decision makers in our work environments and at home. But meditation and mindfulness also help us seek the joy of being alive, being in the present moment so that you know or that you feel like you have the spaciousness to go lie in the sun for two minutes or five minutes or 20 in the middle of the day or smell a flower when you're walking by it on the street or to feel the warm coffee in the morning, in your hands. like These are small, beautiful moments that exist in all of our lives that we just blow right past all the time. So why? Why are we doing that to ourselves? We don't have to soak up all the goodness of life. Yes,
0: that's exactly it. Living slow is not clearing your schedule and crafting all day, every day. It's stopping to admire the moment and revel
1: in it totally and feel the spaciousness gosh i could talk about meditation changes the way our minds manage hardship and adversity well it also physiologically changes the way we process our world say we have a conversation you're the stimulus you're talking to me that's the stimulus and i if i'm not a meditator oftentimes it's stimulus and then response immediately i don't even really process what you said but there's just an immediate reaction that comes to my body and mind and i respond especially if the stimulus is a little hurtful or frustrating say you say something to me that i don't like the non meditator the person who doesn't meditate at all doesn't really have control over their response so they immediately snap say something that's not great the person who does meditate the brain for some reason creates a little bit of space between the stimulus and the response. So you say something, you're not ever saying anything rude to me, but just as an example, you say something rude, instead of me just responding immediately, there's a little bit of space. I feel spaciousness now. I feel the ability to choose. What do I want to say here? How do I want to respond? And now I can respond with grace and intention and kindness and clarity. And God, how important is that both in business and in our personal lives? It's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: it would totally change. I mean, the way it changes the way you do business. Yeah. Your ability to not take things so personally. And yeah, that spaciousness. I love that. I love that word in in explaining slowness, just having spaciousness. Yeah.
1: So most of the time I work with corporations, large companies all over the world, providing Online programming, one-on-one coaching, and even in-person lunch and learns and programs. But really the point is that I hope that all these companies and these people that I work with feel supported and also feel that they have meaningful, realistic tools to manage their everyday lives from work and showing up and communicating effectively to being able to show up for their family and friends. And so, I have online programs that I've been selling to all these different companies, and they've been honestly so impactful. And I'm currently making a new one all about micro practices, which is really cool. Cool. But, you know, I also tend to work with people one on one if they reach out to me individually and feel like, you know, this is something I'd really love to incorporate more into my life meditation and mindfulness. Yes.
0: That's exactly what I was going to ask next. All the ways that people can work with you. So feel free to keep,
1: yeah. So yeah, I mean, people can work with me in a lot of different ways. Always just reach out to me on my Instagram, which is Woodhall Wellness, W-O-O-D-H-U-L-L Wellness. My last name is, can be tough. And then woodhallwellness.com And you can send in, you can always DM me on my Instagram and then on my website, you can fill out a little profile. Telling me what you're interested in doing, whether it's one-on-one coaching or whether your corporation's interested in working with me to provide employees, you know, mental health and wellness support. Awesome. And what about your courses? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. My courses. So my courses, I've got three different offerings there. I have a a 10-week course called Realistic Self-Care. And it's all about the foundations of mindfulness and meditation and how to realistically incorporate mindfulness meditation into your everyday lives. I think it's a big discussion. A lot of people don't know how or why or what meditation mindfulness are. So that's really all what that online course is about. Sometimes I'll work with clients. A lot of companies will do like a hybrid program where they purchase the online course and then I'll pop in once a week for the 10-week timeline and support, you know, all the employees who are learning about the, you know, everything in the online course course for the duration of the 10 weeks. So yeah. And then the second one that I'm almost finished with is all about micro practices, which I'm like really stoked on. Yeah, It's it's literally, it's a two-part series, six parts in each, and it's one minute or less meditations and they're so good. Yes. I love that. Awesome. Cool. I guess I wanted to say, gosh, okay. Before you ask how people can connect with me, (laughs) I wanted, I was telling, I think I was telling you about my offerings because I was thinking about how, in today's world, the reality is that pe- people want to be cared for as whole human beings in their organizations, not just as employees. People stay with companies that support them as people and help them grow both personally and professionally. And so I'm finding that a lot of the companies that are hiring me to work with them are on top of this idea, which is that. Employees now want to be supported and seen as whole people, not just employees.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. It's so needed. So needed. I'm glad that companies you're finding that they're prioritizing that.
1: Yeah. And I'm grateful that I can be a part of that evolution in work life and work environments because that change, like you said, is really important. And so I'm totally grateful that Woodhall Wellness can be on the forefront of that change.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for all of the work that you are doing in the world. Thank you so much. Is there anything else before we close out? I just want to make sure.
1: No, this was wonderful. Thank you so much, Tia. Seriously, this is a great chat.
0: Molly, thank you so much. I just can't wait for everyone to hear all of all of your wisdom that you provided us. Thank you so much again. Ugh so lovely just such a bright light in our world and I love the work Molly is doing I hope you guys really resonated with her episode and, and all the wisdom she had to share so be sure to check out how to work with her her courses and any other you know offerings that stood out to you that she mentioned but I want to remind you to connect with us on Instagram and let us know what you thought of the episode and be sure to subscribe, leave a review, just connect with us somehow. We definitely want to hear from you. And a reminder that dream big, live slow coaching will begin in 2022. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. Um, I'll be sharing more info on my Instagram at TLRay as well as on the podcast, but on Instagram, probably first and just keep that on your radar if you're looking for something like a group coaching program. I will release more info on that in the coming weeks, and I'm just so, so grateful eternally for you taking time out of your day to listen, and I'm sending all of my love to you. I hope you have the best day ever.